Hey, good morning, Emmanuel family, to the greatest celebration in all of human history. If you're part of the online campus, welcome. You're part of us today, and we're celebrating today the fact that God changed everything when hope exploded out of the empty tomb. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day that we celebrate not only that God changed everything, but that we're part of a revolution. The Bible says that on this day, God put everything to rights, which is to say that God began the journey of taking everything back that the devil has stolen from you through the years. And that's what we're part of today. So let me ask you a question. If you could change one thing about yourself or your circumstances, what would it be? Just one thing. One thing about yourself or your circumstances, what would it be? For some of you, not very spiritual, but you're thinking, I'd love to take off the 19 pounds that I got over COVID-19. Did you know that the average American has gained 24 to 29 pounds in the last 13 months? And it's not very spiritual, but you're sitting there thinking, oh, what are we having for lunch? <laughs> I shouldn't be thinking that, should I? Hey, for some of you, you'd love to change to become a more confident person. For some of you, you'd like to be a less hot reactor. You know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody says something you don't agree with, boom, you're off to the races. And then, of course, a day later, you have to apologize or send an email saying, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about it. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? You know, outward change is really hard, but you know what's harder? Inward change. There's a lot of people that struggle with outward change, but when it comes to inside change, they're like defeated because they've had so many false starts. If you could change one thing about yourself on the inside, what would it be? For a lot of people, it would be this idea of changing their thought patterns. How many of you have really struggled with having the same old thought patterns year after year after year? You know what's even harder than changing things on the inside? There's a deeper level still, and that is a lot of people struggle with guilt and regret and shame over past decisions. And you may be able to change outward things, you may be able to change some inward things, but there's another level in which people struggle with. I mean, people may say, you know, I'm, you know, I forgive you and, you know, and, and all of that. But in reality, you're thinking, well, who's going to forgive me other than that person? You ever have a hard time forgiving yourself? You're like the last person that forgives you. It seems to me that what we're really lacking is power. The power to really change. And if there's something in your life today that you want to change, but you've really been powerless to do that, this is a message for you. Because this message is about how to change anything and everything that you want to change in your life. The resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. 
Listen to the way the Apostle Paul says it, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and, the, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. One time the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer over the Ephesian church, and he said this, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. So how can God's power change the things that are in your life that you want to change? There's actually many ways that God does that, but I want to focus just on what I call the big three. So let's look at the big three this morning. Resurrection power will help you conquer your problems. John 16, I have told you these things, Jesus says this, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Everybody has problems. I have problems. You have problems. Somebody described problems as an airport. There's always several on the ground you're fooling with. There's always a couple ready to land, and there's a couple ready to take off. Right? You will never get to a point in your life in which you will not have problems. The big question is, what are you going to do with your problems? For some people, they phone a friend. And, and that's okay, because friends can help you work through your problems, but to be honest with you, your friends can never solve all of your problems. <clears throat> Sometimes people try to solve their problems by blaming other people. It's their fault. You know, people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, they're still blaming their parents for things that happened when they were 12. You know what I mean? Well, I am the way I am because people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, they're blaming their adult children. Oh, why are you laughing? You know what most of us do? Most of us try to solve our problems on our own. In our own strength, in our own thought process. You know, we get out a piece of paper, we do a pro list, we do a con list. You know, we try to just figure all this out. And you know, that works for a while, but have you discovered that there are some problems that the more you try to solve them, the more complicated they get? Several years ago, I was watching television and saw a commercial about this new chemical that you could put on the bumper of your car to make it shiny and black again. And my bumper on my car was faded. And I thought, I'm buying that. So I did. And sure enough, the same day I got it, I ran out and I wiped down that back bumper that was all faded and it got to black and shiny again. And then I thought, this is incredible. What else can I do? <laughs> so I'm, I'm like wiping down every bumper, like on my car. And then I thought, what's good on the outside can work on the inside. So I got inside, and I wiped down the dashboard. I wiped down every piece of plastic in my car. Here's what was interesting. When it dried, it wasn't shiny it was kind of hazy. And the reality is, it started attracting way more dirt and grime. And Holly got in the car and she was like, what did you do? And I said, nothing. No, seriously, what did you do? I said, nothing. 
it's been seven years. That chemical really works because it's still that way. Anybody want to buy my car? What do you do with your problems? You know what the Bible says you should do? You know what resurrection power says you should do? Resurrection power says that you ought to come to God with your problems and allow God, listen, put your hand in God's hands and he can help you to conquer your problems. It may not be overnight, but God will surely help you. This is why I like this, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or danger no, in all these things, we are more than conquer through him who loves us. One of the reasons why I like that scripture passage is because it does acknowledge that there are going to be troubles, there are going to be hardships, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world and we are more than conquerors through Jesus. So here's how this works. You give your problems over to God, but you've got to do your part which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But do you remember the Old Testament story where the Israelites are standing on the edge of the Jordan River? And there's like 1.2 million people, and they're ready to cross over the Jordan River. But, of course, there's a problem because the Jordan River is flowing, right? <clears throat> and God says to the priests, when you take a step into the river, the river will stop flowing. Now, here's what's interesting. If you're one of the Israelites at that time, you're standing there, you're watching this river flow, and you're like, I don't want to get my shoes wet. They're my Sunday shoes. <laughs> but the river didn't stop flowing until the priest took a step in. And then as soon as the priest took a step in, boom, the river stopped flowing. Now, here's the point. If you want to have resurrection power in your life to conquer your problems, you're going to have to take the first step. Because that's what faith is all about. God says, I'm here to help you. I will help you conquer your problems, but you've got to take the first step. You know, for some of you, taking the first step is going to an AA meeting. Some of us want God to, come on, God, hit me. Hit me with all your resurrection power. And God is saying, yeah, I'll hit you with it. Go to a meeting. Yeah, I'll hit you with it. Cut up your credit cards. Yeah, I'll hit you with it. Put some guards in your computer and your television. Put some passwords on there. In other words, you've got to do your part. I heard a phrase the other day, the storm that was sent to break you is going to be the storm that God uses to make you. The very thing that is causing you the most problem today is the very thing that God wants to use to remake you. Resurrection power has the power to change your personality, not just to conquer your problems. We all got problems. God's going to help us, but to change your personality. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. I like that phrase, passed away. You know, we talk about, sometimes we don't want to be too harsh. We say, somebody died. I have a friend right now that's in the process of dying. And when they die, I'll say, well, you know, he passed away. Hey, the old has passed away. You're no longer, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're no longer doing life alone. 
The old life has passed away. Good grief. Most of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote was basically to challenge people who were already Christians saying, why are you still living as if you're dead in your sins? You've made, been made alive in Christ. And anything can change. See, I have a degree in psychology, and what I was taught years ago is that by age five, your personality is fundamentally formed, and you can only change like 5% one way, 5% the other way, but basically you're molded for life. Now, all that has been blown away because of something called the neuroplasticity of the brain. And what that really means is, is that change is possible, and you can change anything you want to change about yourself if you really want to change it. Now, you're not going to get three inches tall if you're 50 years old. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the inside and outside things that you really want to change. The lid has been blown off, and you can change anything, but the Bible was way ahead of neuroplasticity listen to this have you ever seen parts of yourself that you're like i don't even like that part of me did you know that you can go online and take the difficult person test to see if you are a difficult person it's true I was looking up for this message, like kinds of difficult personalities. Boop, it pops up. Are you a difficult person? Take the, person, take the difficult person test. And I'm like, I'm not taking that before Easter. I'm taking it after Easter. Just seven kinds of difficult personalities. The hardcore bully, those who are hostile, abusive, and intimidating. The ego-centered prince or princess people who are the know-it-alls. They have to feel superior to everybody else, and they must be the center of attention. Then there's the passive-aggressive person. Then there's the baby, those who constantly whine and act defeated and feel like no one values their opinion. Then there's the negative Ned or Nancy. Then there's the people-pleaser, and then there's the non-player the non-player is the person who never reveals their true motives and you end up trying to guess what they're really thinking or really feeling. They're like a mystery and they want to be a mystery because they don't want anybody to know what they're really thinking. Have you ever run into people like that? Maybe you're like the wife who said, my, my husband is so temperamental. He's 90% temper, 10% mental. <laughs> Do you see yourself in any one of these difficult personalities? Do you see a couple of those things? Do you see all seven of those things? Are there parts of your personality you would like to change? The fact is God uses a two-part process to change you. The first part is God forgives you of all of your sins and gives you a brand new identity. The old has passed away, the new has come. Your identity is now in Christ. Your identity is not who raised you. Your identity is not your job. Your identity is not your gifts, talents, and abilities. Your identity is who God says you are through Jesus Christ. We've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, the Apostle Paul says. But your part is to live and lean into that. It's to start to exercise Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You changing you and God helping you to change you is a lifetime process. But with God's help 
and his resurrection power living on the inside of you, you can make all the changes that you need to to get the wholeness and to get the holiness. So how do you change? Came across this little acrostic I want to share with you. Choose to have a new growth experience. It all begins with the way that you think. If you start thinking right, you'll start living right. If you start living right, you'll start making good choices. If you start making good choices, you'll change the direction of your life. If you change the direction of your life, you will change your destiny and your family's destiny. But you cannot change on your own. Listen, listen. You know what resurrection power is? It's you reaching out to the hand of God. And you and God walking through this life. And God's power living on the inside of you. God's power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. You may be feeling like, I don't feel like God's power is living inside of me right now. I just feel like me just being old me. Here's the reality. You've got to take a step. If there are things in your life that you know that need changing, you may be sitting there waiting for God's power to land on you and God's saying, come on, come on. You take the first step, and when you take that first step, I'll be there to help you. Some of you are thinking, oh, pastor, that doesn't work because I've tried that before, and I have like a thousand false starts, and I'm so discouraged, I don't even want to do any more false starts. Hey, you know how I think about false starts? You're just one step closer. If you fall, you get back up, you fall again, you fall, you get back up, you fall again, you fall, you get back up. What, what have you just done? You just moved like four steps closer. Here's what I've discovered in my own life. When there's something in my life that I need to change and I have a hard time changing it, the Bible calls that a stronghold. That means that it has a grip on me where Christ should have a grip on me. And I'm going to have to work doubly hard. I'm not talking about working for my salvation. I'm talking about I have to work doubly hard to realize that there's something inside of me that's gotten an inordinate amount of power over me and I've got to lean into Christ to figure that out because the only legitimate power that should be over you is the Holy Spirit. God's power working in you. Is there something that needs to be changed in your personality? Is there some problem that, need, that needs to be conquered? Thirdly, resurrection power is the power to cancel your past. Your past failures, your past regrets, your past sins. I love Colossians 3.14. He has forgiven all of our sins and canceled every record of the debt that we had to pay. There is only one power in the universe powerful enough to cancel all of the debt that has been built up because of your sin and my sin. And there's only one power, resurrection power, that's powerful enough in your life to forgive you of all your sins. Chances are you do not know the name of Matsuo Fuchida, but you know what he did. On December 7th, 1941, Matsuo Fuchida led the attack on Pearl Harbor. His life's hero was Adolf Hitler. And he modeled himself after Adolf Hitler. 
after the war, Fuchida was so filled with guilt and remorse and shame because of all the acts and the atrocities that he had committed during World War II that he committed his life to going around spreading the message of peace. And he wanted to write a book called No More Pearl Harbors. But in the months that he started to write his book, he began to realize that he did not have a controlling principle on which to base his book. So he delved into all of the Japanese religions and all the Japanese philosophies. And then he began to study other world religions and he came up with nothing. There was no enduring principle in which he could base his book on of how humanity could get to peace. Now in the middle of his search, he met an old army friend who had been a POW in an American camp. And they got to talking and this POW said to him, you'll never believe what happened when we were in this camp in America. There was this young lady by the name of Peggy that a couple times a week would come to the camp and meet our needs. She would sew things for us. She would bring us food. She would take care of our basic needs. And all of the other prisoners were, were like, how could Peggy as an American do this? So they asked her. And they said, Peggy, what, what, what's going on? How come you're serving us? And she said this, because my parents were missionaries in the Philippines during World War II. And when the Japanese invaded the Philippines, my parents ran to the mountains to hide, but eventually they were found out and they were brought back down into the city and they were tried as spies and executed. All my parents ever wanted to do was to spread the love of Jesus to the people in the Philippines and to the Japanese. And she said, my heart grew bitter and I hated the Japanese people. But then I got to thinking, if my parents could forgive the Japanese army for what it did to them, who was I to hold back forgiveness to them? So I just decided, I made a decision that I was going to forgive, like my parents, the Japanese army for killing my parents. And it's made a world of difference. And now I serve you on a regular basis as a demonstration and an expression of my love for you because God has given me the grace to forgive you. Can I tell you something? That blew Fachita's mind. I mean, it stunned him. A few months later, Fuchida was summoned back to Tokyo to meet with Douglas, Macar uh, Douglas MacArthur. And when Fuchida got off the train to go to that meeting, he was handed a pamphlet. And the name of the pamphlet was, I was a prisoner of Japan. And he started to read this pamphlet, and it was about a soldier who had been in a Japanese POW camp for 40 months. 
And once he was released, he came back to the United States, but he found Jesus, and Jesus called him to go back to the Japanese people and present the gospel to them in love on the Japanese people. And Fujita just blew his mind. He could not understand how someone could be so loving who had been hurt so badly by his own people. But he was intrigued because he began to think, maybe, just maybe, this could be the controlling principle of my book, No More Poor Harbors. So you know what he did? He went and bought a Bible. He started to work his way through the New Testament. But in September of 1949, he stopped at Luke 23. During Lent, we've been focusing on the seven greatest words of love. And it was one of those words of love that arrested Fujita. Luke chapter 23, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And something came over Fujita, and he dropped to his knees, and he asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. And he was transformed from that moment on, and he found the controlling principle that he could write his book, and that was the principle of forgiving love. So he went on to write his book, but it's not called No More Pearl Harbors. It's called From Pearl Harbor to Golgotha. And you can read it today. Now here's my point in telling you that story. If God can forgive the man that led the raid on Pearl Harbor in 1941, do you think God can forgive whatever you've ever done? Sometimes we blow ourselves up. It's an act of selfishness, really. We blow ourselves up and we think, no, God could never forgive me for all I've said, all I've done, all I've thought. Oh, if God only knew, he knows. But there's this principle called forgiving love. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's resurrection power. That's how God changes everything about you that needs to be changed. That's how we can conquer every single problem that we face. That's how we can change the parts of our personality that are difficult, that God needs to change. That's how God cancels our past, sins, failures, regrets, our guilt, our shame. He does it through the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you need that kind of power today? There is no better time than Easter to reset your faith. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that there are some of you that really need to reset their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. I'm just simply saying that maybe through the regular everydayness of life, you've lost that shine on you and you're just kind of going through the motions. You're not reading your Bible like you should be reading your Bible. You're not really engaged in the life-giving activity of what a Christian should be. There are things <clears throat> in your life that you know that shouldn't be there and you're just not really where you should be with Christ. Today is the day 
that you reset your faith. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up and just stand out in the aisle. That's the only thing I'm going to ask you to do. Just get up, stand in the aisle if you want to reset in your faith. But here's, here's the second part. It doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for a decade, decades, or if this is your first time here. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ who died for you, who is ready to give you forgiving love, then I'm going to ask you to stand up too and stand out in the aisle. And I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And that prayer will be to invite Jesus to come into your life. That doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away immediately. That doesn't mean that all the difficult parts of your personality are going to be shaved off immediately. No, this is a lifetime work that God is involved in. But here's what I can tell you. Now you have resurrection power living on the inside of you. So stand up. If you want to reset in your faith this morning, or if you want to invite Christ in your life, just get up right now and just stand out in the aisle. Go. That's it. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, your power is here today. We sense that you're here. And we're so thankful for it. God, there are people standing in these aisles that are wanting to reset their faith with you. God, fill them with your power right now. Give them a reset, would you please? They're putting their hand in your hand. Come on, let's go. I don't want to do life by myself anymore. If you're standing in the aisle and you want to invite Christ into your life, then just pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of mankind. I want to tell you who I am, a sinner in need of forgiveness. And I'm asking you to cancel out my past. And I invite you to come into my life right now. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And we'll begin a journey together, hand in hand. I yield to you. I surrender to you. I submit to you. And I promise to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer to ask Christ into your life, right in front of you in the seat rack is a card that looks like this. It has a QR code on it. Just take your phone, get the QR code on there. It'll take you to a form. I'm going to ask you to fill out that form. That form will come to me because I just want to be able to give you some helps to start on your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like to express your joy by clapping for those who gave their lives to Christ this morning? God bless you. God bless you.